What is a MacGuffin? A MacGuffin is an object in a film or a movie that moves the plot forward. Something like the One Ring of Power in Lord of the Rings or the Sword of Excalibur in The Legend of King Offer. Even the Goober and Into the Spider-Verse could be considered a MacGuffin. This item is usually necessary for the hero's journey. He has to go on a quest to go get it. He has to learn how to use it, and ultimately, he has to use it to defeat the forces of darkness and save the world. Here's the point. The MacGuffin? The MacGuffin is not real. It's a movie trope. It's a method of storytelling. But some of us are convinced that there's this magical item, this pill, this book that is going to somehow get us to where we want to be. And without it, all hope is lost. That's really what we think. But the truth of the matter is, God gave you everything that you needed to be successful the moment you were born. Even if the, even in the movies, if you've actually seen a MacGuffin at work, even in the movies, the hero loses this magical item, whatever it might be, and they have to figure out that the power was inside of them all along. So I encourage you today, stop looking for your MacGuffin and start utilizing your gift. Welcome to The Edge, folks. Let's get sharp. Welcome back to the Razor's Edge study group. I'll be your coach, your teacher, your mentor, Mike Savage. Let's get down to business. Let me be honest, let me be upfront. This episode right here is coming for low self-esteem. It's something that I've dealt with for most of my life. And to be honest with you, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I want to destroy it. I want to kill it. If it was a person, I would pull up like for real. If it was a person, we would throw hands. If I seen him on the street, it would be on site. No words. I hate low self-esteem. And every time I, I think about it, every time I talk about it, I always think of that uh, Cat Williams joke uh, from one of his first uh, stand up specials. He says, how am I going to mess up how you feel about you? It's called self-esteem. It's how you feel about yourself. Esteem of your so-and-so self is what he says. But that's so deep what he says. That that joke, I know it, it was meant to be funny, but if you really think about it, it is self-esteem, esteem of yourself, confidence in, in your own worth, in your own abilities, a person's overall subjective sense of personal worth or value. In other words, how much you appreciate and love yourself. Why would we ever, why did I ever feel like somebody else's opinion, somebody else's thought should change the way that I feel about myself? It sounds so ridiculous now that you say it out loud. But that is how a lot of us are. How you feel about yourself will affect everything around you. There's another movie that I like. One of my favorites It's called Juice. Omar Epps, Tupac Shakur. In the film, Tupac's character, his name is Bishop, tell Omar's, um, tells Omar Epps' character, his name was Q, how easy it would be to kill him. Bishop says, I don't care about myself. And of course, I'm paraphrasing, but... In the movie, Bishop says, I don't even care about myself and you're even less of a man than me. So if I decide that it's over for you, it's over. And again, I'm paraphrasing. Obviously, that's not a, a direct quote. There's a lot of cussing in, in, in what he said. But he basically says the gist of what he says is I don't care about myself. So what he actually says, I don't give a 
crap about myself. So how he felt about himself, how he looked at himself, determined how he treated his friend Q, determined how he treated any and everybody else around him. If you've seen the, the movie Juice, it's more than 20 years old, so I might be spoiling it, but, uh, but Tupac's character was pretty nuts. And he killed a lot of people. And it wasn't just people he was killing. He was killing like his closest friends, the guys he grew up with. And as crazy as that sounds, he was able to do that. He was able to to hurt so many people because he hated himself. Um, in the Bible, there's a quote that says um, that we're instructed to love our neighbors the same way that we love ourselves. And of course, uh, and the mindset of most people is that we think really highly of ourselves. We really love ourselves. We really care for ourselves. So why wouldn't we treat our neighbors and that sa or hold our neighbors to that same high regard? But in the situation of this movie, Juice, what if you hate yourself? <laughs> what if you despise yourself? What if you don't think? What if you think you're a piece of crap? What if you think you're crazy? How would you treat somebody if that's how you felt about yourself? So it goes both ways. It's just something to think about. Okay, so let's get back down to business. He says, I don't care about myself. That determines how he was going to treat everybody else. Here's the issue. All people want is confirmation. That's the thing about self-esteem. It's, it's self-esteem, yes. It's the way you feel about yourself, yes. But you want somebody to agree with you. <laughs> if you think you dope, you want everybody else around you to think you dope. And that might not be the case. We want our self-esteem to match the way that others esteem us. And then when they don't match, then you're forced to make an adjustment. Uh, it's called cognitive dissonance, where your thought of yourself and the reality um are somehow askewed and so your subconscious um makes every effort to bring those two together to make to make the adjustment so if you think you're phenomenal you think you're dope and then you encounter somebody who doesn't feel the same way about you then you're forced to make an adjustment and usually that adjustment happens with your self-esteem let me see if i can paint a picture of it okay because I'm, I'm rambling and i want to make this make sense so let's say your self-esteem is at a hundred percent okay and you believe that you're this really, really good cook. That's what you believe. I'm an amazing cook and you're the bomb.com. You really believe that until you cook for somebody and they don't like your food. And they say your food is terrible. They say your food sucks. And then all of a sudden your self-esteem takes a hit because that's what you were banking on. That's really what you believe that you were this bomb cook and somebody don't like your food. Oh, that hurts clearly there's something wrong with me right because your sub because your subconscious begins to question as soon as that person says that your food is too salty or that your food is no good if i'm really as great as cooking this is the question that your subconscious that you ask yourself if i'm really as great at cook at cooking as i think i am then why don't they think so why don't they think i'm as great as i am and inside yourself You've already made the adjustment to your self-esteem to match what their opinion of your what their opinion of your cooking is. And that's where we go wrong. So every time somebody disagrees with us, every time somebody doesn't believe that we're as dope as we think we are, all of a sudden we make an adjustment in our self-esteem and we lower that joker. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. You are, you are not allowed. To, you should not allow anyone else's opinion of you change your opinion of yourself. Okay, so there's three things that I need you to pick up from that little scenario of cooking. Number one, belief 
versus knowing. Belief versus knowing. If you're if you got a pen and a paper, if you're sitting down and you're really trying to focus and trying to learn something, that's one thing that you should write down. Belief versus knowing. The second thing that I need you to to take note from was notice that I didn't say their opinion of you. I said the opinion of of your cooking. You need to learn how to separate your gift from your identity. You need to learn how to separate your skill set from your identity. You need to learn how to separate your job from your identity. Who you are is who you are. Who you were born and created to be is who you were born and created to be. And as soon as you attach your identity to 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 a specific job, a specific skill set, then that is going to be dangerous for your self-esteem. Because if you fail in that one area, if you lose in that one area, then it's going to be devastating to you. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me slow down. Okay, so that was number one thing that I want you to really take note of from the scenario is belief versus knowing. You believe that you're just bomb cook until somebody else doesn't like your food. And notice that I said their opinion of your cooking, not their opinion of, of you. They didn't like your cooking. I didn't say that they didn't like you. Okay. And the third thing that I need you to uh, take away from this is the disparity or the disagreement between your self-esteem, how you feel about you and their self-esteem, how others feel about you. Okay. So again, let's talk about it. Let's take, let's take a look. Let's slow down knowing who you are versus believing who you are. And I might get in trouble for this, but that word believing suggests that there is some little bit of doubt. <laughs> it really does. When you believe something, there's a little piece of you that's still unsure. Um, if you look at it like like the like the scientific method, scientists, um, they believe things they do. Um, and a lot of people think that think that 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 word uh belief is is a religious word or a spiritual word but there are scientists who are who uh think themselves separate from religion or spirit spirituality and they still have beliefs but they just call them theories you know what i'm saying <laughs> they have a theory about a certain subject they believe that if these uh certain criteria are are met that this will be the outcome but it's just a theory. What they have to do is they have to go back and they have to prove that theory. So they do experiments and they set up control environments and they set up environments with a specific variable so they can test their theory to see if it's true or not. And what I'm suggesting to you is in this uh, notion of knowing versus believing, some of us, most of us have a theory about who we are. <laughs> we have a belief about who we are. I believe that I'm this, but you don't know that for sure. So as you go out into the world and as you experience other people's opinion of you, you're you're basically testing the belief of who you are. You're testing the theory of who you are. And then when these people don't agree with you, when you don't see the evidence of what who you think to be um to be standard across the board, then you're like, "Oh, well, well maybe I'm not this." Well, maybe I'm, this isn't who I am. And then your confidence begins to take a hit. Then your self-esteem begins to take a hit. So you have to know who you are rather than just believing who you are. And there's a certain uh, portion of your life where you're going to go through and you're going to believe who you are. And you're not really going to know for sure 
and that's tough. And these are these are the times or this those moments in your life is where self-esteem is really developed or lost. And it's and it's an ugly time in your life and it's a rough time in your life. And you're going to need something stable or someone stable in your life to encourage you and to motivate you and, and to push you forward. But like I said in the intro to this episode, God gave you everything you needed. God has your identity. God has everything uh 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 that establishes who you are. All of that stuff has been decided. All of that is you can plant your feet on who you are in God. And um, the example that I'm going to use is, of course, um, Jesus. What other example is there? Um, but let's talk about that. Just the one particular. I'm not going to try to preach. I'm not trying to uh, get super spiritual or religious. But the one story that I'm thinking of is Christ when he goes to get baptized. You know, he gets baptized and the story says that a dove came down from heaven and the voice of God was heard. And they said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. You know, when you think about that scenario, that was before he healed anybody. That was before he did any miracles. That's before he opened any blinded eyes. That's before he opened any deaf ears. That's before he walked on water. That's before he fed thousands. That's before he even died on the cross and did what he ultimately was purposed to do. But his self-esteem, his his father, Harry, this is my son, and I'm pleased with him. Before he had done any of that, somebody showed care and somebody, somebody showed love and, and, and appreciation toward him. Before he had done anything and that's crazy and that's what a lot of people that's what a lot of us have to really deal with in ourselves we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and say that i'm enough we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and say that i'm amazing we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and say i'm dope regardless of what happens today regardless of what decisions i make regardless of of what happens to me or what happens through me regardless of if, if i ever get a degree or regardless if i ever become amazing or great at something i'm still enough i'm still amazing i'm still the person who i am regardless of what i do what I think, what I say, this is who I am. And until you can establish that or when you can establish that, then your self-esteem is going to be in a whole different place. Sometimes, sometimes, okay, let me slow down a little bit. Okay. So we're talking about the theory of who we are and then I went off a little bit. So you're, you have this theory of who you are and you're trying to prove that theory to yourself. And every time you fail a quote unquote experiment, your self-esteem takes a hit. Sometimes even success can mess you up because sometimes you can get so successful in a specific area. This is what I was talking about earlier. You begin to make that area your identity. Say you just are a phenomenal cook. And so, boom, I'm a chef. And now you build your whole life and your whole self-esteem on your ability to cook on your chefing ability and then somewhere along the line you take a l in that area you take a loss and your self-esteem can crash because you were so successful this is this is a lot of reasons this is the big reason why 2020 messed up so many people because they hung their hat on their relationship they were a phenomenal husband a phenomenal uh girlfriend boyfriend spouse until they had to spend 24 hours a day with their significant other and now they're getting divorced and now they're in relationship counseling because what they thought they were so so amazing at they weren't really that great at or they hung their hat on their jobs and on their employment and on their position and on their status on their job and then all of a sudden they get laid off and they don't work for a year 
and they don't work for six months and now they're at home and they're on uh, unemployment for a year. And so now their self-esteem takes a hit. Even I went through a, a, a little stint of depression and some anxiety during that time because I've been working since I was 14 years old. I've never been without a job in my adult life. And then all of a sudden I'm furloughed. I'm laid off for a couple of months. It was scary. So I, I understand how that is. But you got to be careful. Here's how you win. Know who you are. That's that's the W. You got to know who you are. You got to get out of that experimental phase. You got to get out of that theory phase. And you really got to understand who it is that you are. And you need to walk in that regardless of what people think, regardless of what happens in your life. Number two, the second thing. <laughs> All right. Um, so let me slow down. All right. That second thing was they judged your cooking and they didn't judge you. So when they reject your gift, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're rejecting you. And there are some people that are just not going to like you. And that's their business, not yours. But sometimes it's your gift that they're rejecting. OK, I cooked you a delicious meal. You didn't like it. That doesn't mean I'm a terrible human being. It just means you didn't like my food. I can change my food. I can use less salt. I can learn how to cook better, cook differently, whatever. So you need to learn how to separate your identity from your gift. And I know that sounds difficult, but think about it like this. We all have a gift and that gift is important to the world. Somebody needs it, but somebody is not necessarily everybody. So stop trying to serve your gift to people who don't want it, people who don't need it. And that's going to help your self-esteem immensely. Okay. Let's take it that your gift is like a perfectly cooked filet mignon with the buttery mashed potatoes, maybe some grilled asparagus with a nice hollandaise on top, a little squirt of uh, a lemon just to make it extra tangy. Okay. And you have this delicious plate of food that is your gift and you're trying to serve it to you. You're trying to serve it in a room full of vegans. <laughs> like think about how ridiculous that sounds there's nothing wrong with your gift and honestly there's nothing wrong with the people in the room you just got to get your gift to the right people and then your whole world change your whole life change and your self-esteem changes right because finally who you are and the gift that you have to offer is being given and being presented to the right people. So that's a huge part of it too, okay? Separate your gift from your identity, number one. Number two, get your gift in front of the right people, the people that want it, the people that need it. And that can be difficult sometimes because you don't necessarily know who needs it. You have a target audience. You have a target demographic. Maybe you have a, a niche market that you're in that you're trying to be a part of. And you got to have to present, 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 present to everybody. And then the people that need it are going to come and find it. And once you find that group, once you find those people, once you find your tribe that are supposed to be attached to your gift, then you can go hard and you see progress and you move forward. Um, but yeah, so. That was the second thing. Separate your gift from your purpose or from your identity. Realize that they're not rejecting you. They're just rejecting what you had to offer. And that's because you're a perfectly cooked piece of meat in a room full of vegans. Sometimes you just got to find some meat eaters and you'll be all right. OK. So the third thing was that disparity between your self-esteem, how you feel about you and how others esteem you. And that is others opinion of you and so again you're walking around with that theory of who you are and when that theory 
is not testing the way you think it should be, you're not getting the results that you think you should be, then the theory changes and in the scientific method that's how it works you have this theory and you start to experiment with this theory and then if the experiments don't pan out the way that you thought they they did or they should then the theory is disproved and you got to start from scratch so you got to get out of that theory phase and so these are the tests that I'm that I'm talking about. This is this part of it. The disparity between your self-esteem and how others esteem you is the testing part. Every human wants confirmation. We talked about that. Every human wants somebody to agree with them. We talked about that. And they want we want them to think of us the way that we think of us. And when they don't, it causes us to second guess ourselves. We have to learn how to critique critiques. If that makes sense, we have to learn how to critique the critique because there are some people that are speaking into our lives that shouldn't be speaking into our lives. Point blank, period. <laughs> There's some people that we're listening to that we need to shut them off, cut them off. There's a certain criteria because, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for for a long time, I call it razor's edge because it's all about accountability as uh as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen the countenance of his friend, sharpen the character of his friend. So it's all about accountability. Who Who is it in your life that you're listening to that's trying to hold you accountable or that's trying to critique you? And you have to look at their motives. You have to look at uh, their standing in your life. You have to look at uh, do they really care about you? Do they really love you? Or are they just talking out of their behind? You know what I mean? There are some people that are speaking and they're just trying to hurt you. There are, there are some people that are not close enough to you the, to have that have the ability to get to your emotions, to have the ability to get to your self-esteem. And that ain't right. That's not OK. There are there are people um that should have the right to speak into your life, that should have the right to really share with you um, their opinion of you. Like, I'm not going to take the opinion of one of my employees at work over the opinion of my wife. You know what I mean? Me and my wife are married. We're committed to each other for the rest of our lives. She's seen parts of me, pieces of me that no one else has ever seen. She has a right to critique me. She has a right to say some stuff that might be disrespectful, that might be mean or hurtful, but not necessarily. She might say they might be mean and hurtful, but her intentions are not to hurt me and not to harm me. Her intentions are to make me better. Her intentions are to mature me and to make me into the man that God wants me to be. That's what she's trying to do. But there are some other people that don't give a dog on about me. They don't give a dog on about themselves. So how could they care about me? And these people are, are speaking words and, and speaking things that are trying to harm me, that are trying to cut me up, that are trying to damage my self-esteem. And you have to know which is which. You have to, if they don't meet certain criteria, if they don't meet a certain relationship status, and not, I'm not talking about necessarily um, being romantically involved, but a, a friendship, uh, uh, a mentor relationship, um, your 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 boss, your supervisor, if they're trying to speak into your life, as um, you know, surface level as that might seem, 
they're trying to at least get you better at your job. <laughs> you know, they're at least trying to get you to be a more efficient uh, employee. At the very least, they might not be trying to get you a million dollars or get you a nice relationship. But at the very least, they want you to be um, successful at your job, at your task, because it makes them look better. It makes the company look better. It makes the money It makes the money come in. You know what I mean? So there's there's even an aspect there. But. But then there's other people. You, they might be your coworkers. They might be quote unquote friends. They might be, you know, that these people around you that don't necessarily have your best interests at heart, that don't necessarily want what's best for you as an individual. And they're speaking into your lives and they're saying things that are just doggone downright hurtful and mean. And these are the people that you need to really watch. You need to learn how to critique critiques and you need to learn how to observe and see who it is that's really speaking into your life. All right. So let's let's recap. OK, so basically what we learned today, number one, the difference between believing and knowing a lot of us believe some things about ourselves. A lot of us have a working theory of who we think we are and we go into life and we go into this world doing experiments, trying to figure out if our theory of ourself is true. And when we have failed experiences, then our self-esteem takes the hit. So you have to shift from just believing who you are and you have to know who you are. You have to know who God created you to be. You have to know your identity. You have to know before you step into that workplace, before you step into that school and to work into the world, you got to know and be confident who you are. It's going to make your life so much better. The number two thing is you got to notice the difference between your gift and who you actually are. Don't confuse the two. Um, yes, they work hand in hand. Yes, they work together. But understand that people are coming to you if they do come to you. They're coming for your gift. They're not necessarily coming for you. There's very few people in your life that are going to be there for you, that are going to be there specifically to be with you, to be around you. The majority of people in your life are coming to, to absorb and to utilize your gift. And so you got to learn how to separate yourself from your gift. Um, Miles Monroe put it like this. When you go to um, a mango tree or you go to an apple tree or an orange tree, you're not going for the bark. You're not going for the roots. You're not going for the leaves. You're going for the fruit. And so people are coming to you for your fruit and your fruit is that gift that you're producing and you can't feel <laughs> you can't feel hurt or bad when these people are coming to you for your gift. That's what you were made for. OK. And the third thing that we talked about was that disparity between who you think you are and who others think you are. And we said we got to critique the critiquers. We got to critique the critique. We got to critique the critiquers. Who is it that's trying to speak into your life? Who is it that are saying these words to you? They these these uh, these thoughts, whatever they are, are are they trying to encourage you? Even if they're trying to break you down, where where is their heart? Where is their relationship? How do they attach to you? If they're if they're not close enough to you, if they don't have that right, they're not a mentor. They're not your spouse. They're not your parent. They're not your brother, your sister. And sometimes even some of those people don't qualify. But if they're not the type of person that's really that really cares for you, that's really trying to build you up, then maybe that's not the critique you need to listen to. So those were the things that we talked about today. Stop looking for the MacGuffin. Stop looking for that magic pill. It's all on the inside of you. I love you. Stay tuned for the final thought.
When I first went away to college, and this was for my second degree, I got my first degree at home. Then I moved out of my hometown to go get my second degree. I moved from my hometown of Norristown to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's a couple hours away, five hours by car. It's only like a 30 minute flight from Philadelphia, though, but five hours by car. Um, I was away from home. I felt like I needed to be away from everything that I knew. Pittsburgh was close enough to home that I could get home when I wanted to, but it was far away, far enough away from home that if I ran into a problem or, or a situation, I would have to figure it out on my own. I wouldn't be able to get any help. But anyway, what's funny about this is after I went away for school, whenever I would come home on, on break or on holiday, me and my sister would sometimes get into it. And she would always hit me with this line. I'm talking about every time we got into it, every time we got into an argument, she would hit me with this. She said, Mike, you got two choices. You can either fix your attitude or you can go back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> and of course, we laugh about it now. It wasn't funny then, but we laugh about it now. But sometimes it's just that easy. It's it's a simple choice. It's one thing or the other. It's yes or no. It's do or die. It's take the leap or be miserable for another year. And hopefully in this episode, you've learned that everything you need to take that first step is already inside you. You just got to make the choice to go get it. All right. It's not about some magic item or some magic gift. You just got to make that choice. Either stand still or move forward. Remember, you are not a mistake. You are a solution. I love you. I'll see you on the next episode.